him and, and lay our cares upon him. Amen. And he cares for us. So good to see everyone here tonight to worship the Lord. Amen. Together. Amen. As uh, children's kids' church can be dismissed, let's remember, let's remember the uh, Sister Brinkman and uh, the, the family. We got the service on Monday morning. Uh, 11 a.m. is viewing and 12 noon is the service. Let's keep her and the family in prayer. Let's continue to uh, pray for Sister Veronica Johnson had to go up north. Uh, her mother's in the hospital, so let's lift her up and the family up. Amen. And all the other needs, amen, that are in the church and connected to the church. Amen. There's lots of needs, but we serve a big God, don't we? Amen. Uh, men's conference is at, we leave in the morning here around 8 o'clock. And so all the men that are excited are going for that. We get a, a, a touch and a blessing uh, for that. Amen. As we're saying, we go to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, our text for this series uh, is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We want his will to be done here on this earth so that his kingdom can come. Amen. Amen. Turn to a few people, greet them in the name of the Lord, and you may be seated tonight. Man, we are in part six of the kingdom, and we've been tracking the kingdom of heaven throughout the Bible, starting in Genesis with the beginning of time, how God is wanting to establish a theocracy in the earth where God could rule a free-willed man uh, to uh, rule over him, and that man would rule the earth and usher in the kingdom of heaven in this earth. And so the kingdom of heaven would be established on the earth if God can find a man that he can uh, rule over and would follow the kingdom principles and, and, and laws. And we saw that uh, Adam was the first on the list and he failed the kingdom and uh, the kingdom left the earth. And so God had to start over with corrupted humanity because sin came in after Adam and Eve had disobeyed the kingdom. He called out Abram to begin the formation of a nation in the earth that was not corrupted by uh, all the uh, pagan worship at, at Babel. Uh, that would be the place, the land of Canaan would be the place where the kingdom of heaven would eventually come to the earth and reign on the earth because it was promised. That part of the land, the Abrahamic covenant was deeded, that land to the nation of Israel. And nobody can take away that land because Israel owns it and God is the one who gave it to them. And we saw, we followed through the Mosaic Covenant where the stipulations and conditions were laid out that Israel had to uphold uh, and keep in order to stay living in that land that was given to them. And in that, uh, the Mosaic Covenant, Israel had to set over them the king of God's choosing. And David was a good start, but ultimately the chosen king is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus arrived on the scene, he presented the kingdom of heaven to Israel by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is, is right here, folks. It's right here. Uh, and he presented that offer to them, and John the Baptist declared it, Jesus declared it, his disciples went out declaring, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because it was at hand, because the king was there, uh, and all they had to do was to make him king, and, and Jesus would usher in the kingdom. And last week we saw the moment in time where the nation of Israel rejected Jesus as their king. When the religious leaders said that the miracles that Jesus did, the power that he was operating and to do those miracles was through the power of Beelzebub. And, and he, he, they, they basically called Jesus the devil. Uh, and uh, that was the turning point, the shift 
that happened in the nation of Israel, its destiny, and it was a shift and turning point in Jesus' ministry uh, because knowing that he was going to be rejected, that they did not accept him, he had to uh, shift his ministry. And then all of a sudden in Matthew 13, Jesus starts teaching in parables the rest of his ministry, the rest of the book of Matthew Jesus is talking in parables, where the first part he wasn't talking in parables, but now he is. Uh, saying things that he's never said before, because the shift had taken place. Matthew 13 and 10, the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? You hadn't done this before. He answered and he said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. Here he was saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But now, all of a sudden, now they, they don't deserve to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Something happened. Uh, verse 12, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore, speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have, they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I will heal them. That is why he's saying you need to repent, because you guys are messed up. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but because their eyes are glossed over, their ears are, are plugged, and they can't understand because it's their heart. They don't want to accept that. But he says to them, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. hear. There he's talking to the, the disciples. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. He says, so many righteous believers who had lived long before this day, had desired to be where you are at. They had wished so much that they could be standing in your shoes, hearing the very words that I am saying. They would have loved to hear Jesus preach, but they, but they didn't. It was not their time, they, they, but yet they still believed. Hebrews 11.13 says, They all died in faith, having received not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. And so if the patriarchs of Israel did not receive the promises in their lifetime, but Jesus, uh, the Word of God in Hebrews says that they saw the promises afar off. They saw them through faith, and through their faith, they were persuaded by the things that are yet to come. We see them happening millennia from now, thousands of years from now. I can see, Lord, what your plan is, and even though I don't see it in my lifetime, I can see through faith what's going to happen, and I'm persuaded that that is going to happen. I believe, Lord, that that's what's going to happen. And here Jesus is saying, there in person, God robed in flesh, Preaching to Israel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They saw God in the flesh and they heard him with their ears, but yet they did not believe. And here, I, Israel, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all them guys saw by faith, saw so far ahead and wished to be there in that day to see with their own eyes. And yet here Israel has this opportunity and they don't get it. They miss out on it. Wow, talk about being condemned. Talk about a missed opportunity. God shows up to usher in the kingdom of heaven, and Israel's religious leaders say that he's the devil. 
And after rejecting Jesus, they had the nerve to ask him for a sign. As they rejected him in Matthew 12, 24, I believe it was. Uh, Matthew 12, 38, he says, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, would you, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given but the sign of the prophet Jonah. He said, if you want a sign, here's a sign for you. Verse 40. For as Jonah was, in, was three days and three nights in the well's, well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the, er, in the heart of the earth. Then the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, somebody is greater than Jonah standing right here telling you to repent, and you're not repenting. So the men of Nineveh will rise up, one of the most wicked and godless people in city, the Assyrians. Uh, the, those men will rise up in judgment, and they will condemn Israel, God's very people, God's very nation, because Nineveh repented at Jonah's preaching, and somebody greater than Jonah is telling the people of Israel to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They did not. Not a good day for Israel. And what does Israel do? They tell Jesus, well, you're the devil. The, the, you, you, the power you do all that stuff is by Beelzebub. Wow. Matthew 13, 34, and these things spake unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. From here on, here on. Jesus doesn't talk anymore but in parables. Why? Because they, they've already rejected him. They, they, don't, know it, uh, they don't know it yet, uh, but they've rejected him. And so from that point on, Jesus says, I'm talking in parables now. Uh, verse 35, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so Jesus is trying to tell Israel things that have been kept secret from the foundation of the world, and they are not listening. They're not repenting. They're not changing their minds about Jesus, and they don't care what he has to say. Wow. Verse 53, and it came to pass, and when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence has this man this wisdom and, and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many work, mighty works there because of their own belief, unbelief. So the religious leaders rejected him in, verse, in chapter 12. And now he goes back to his hometown and they reject him too. And so basically, basically it's over here. It's over. By the end of Matthew chapter 13, the signs are clear that Israel will not accept Jesus as their king. He's not welcome in his own country, his own city. They, they don't believe him. And so they, they're not going to accept him as their king if they don't believe the works that he's doing and the wisdom and all these things that he teaches. Uh, the lit religious leaders already rejected him, and now his hometown has rejected him. Uh, and so, but instead, they're going to kill, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill Messiah the Prince, will be cut off and killed. And so Jesus' mission is no longer to focus on the nation of Israel, no longer to teach the multitudes about the kingdom of God, no longer uh, really the, the offer has kind of been taken off the table already uh, because of the shift that happens in his ministry. Now Jesus is focusing on teaching and training and preparing his disciples for what is next. He's still out there in public. He still has to fulfill the role 
He's still the prince that, uh, he's still the, the coming king. He still has to play all that out. But, but again, from here on out, now he starts talking in parables. Why? Parables reveal truth, but they also hide truth. If you're not hearing, you're not going to hear it. But if you're hungry, you'll, you'll figure it out. You understand, you'll get the truth that Jesus is trying to teach and, and, and tell. But if you're not hungry, you're just going to hear a parable and it's just going to go right over your head. And it's good for them because uh, the judgment will come to, to those that, uh, more, uh, that are accounted to, uh, the more judgment you receive. And so the more you're responsible for, the more truth that is preached to you, the more you're accountable. And so for their sake, Jesus is like, I'm going to start talking to parables because they're already getting condemned. The men of Nineveh are going to rise up already and condemn them. And so for me to keep on preaching more clear and understanding truth is going to hurt them because they're already rejecting me. And so now, from now on, I'm talking in parables to help for grace uh, for them. Those that are hungry will figure it out. And those who don't care are just there for a story. Uh, And so... Uh, his mission now is to focus on teaching and training his disciples for what's coming next. Uh, and so in Matthew 14, uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000, but is it, we're not told that he teaches or preaches them. He just gives them their food, what they want, and he sends them on their way. He tells his disciples to get in the boat and to go on to the other side. I, I gave the public what they wanted, a show and some bread, fed their bellies. Uh, but but my mission, I, I got to teach my disciples, uh, uh, train them on what's coming. And so what happens when he sends his disciples uh, to go in the boat, go to the other side? Storm comes, and Jesus comes walking to them on the sea. I wonder why, why the, all that. Well, to take the disciples' faith to the next level. Again, he's, he's really got to focus now on his disciples because rejection's already happened. Uh, and so he knows he's going to be killed and crucified. And if he's going to have any lasting impact, he's got to train these 12. And so now he starts coming to them, walking on the water uh, to take their faith to the next level and demonstrations and, and show them things they've never seen before to, to prepare them. And because it has been confirmed that the time is coming that he won't be there anymore. Matthew 15, uh, verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil, but he answered her not a word. My Lord, Jesus. Jesus ignores this lady. He just flat out ignores her. She is desperate. Her her daughter is grievously vexed, possessed by a devil, and and Jesus ignores her. He he has already healed thousands of people. He's already cast out devils. We have already have scriptural evidence that he's done this before this time. Uh, And and here this lady is coming and begging for mercy, and and Jesus ignores her? What's, What's going on here? What's up with that? And uh, verse 23, he answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she crieth after us. She's not leaving us alone, Lord. You're ignoring her. So she's just bothered. She's just clinging on to us. But she wants, she needs help. She needs, she needs an answer. She needs, uh, she needs some help here. She needs deliverance for her daughters. And, and why are you ignoring her, Lord? Verse 24, but he answered and he said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus finally acknowledges the need of this poor woman. And what does he say? He says, I'm only here for Israel. My mission is to offer the kingdom to Israel. That's what I'm here for, to offer them the kingdom. Because I, if they put me as king, then this is it. Uh, and so that's what my mission, I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. It's not the time for the Gentiles. I'm here for Israel. Only Jews get the offer of the kingdom, and, and you're a Gentile. You're from Canaan, uh, Syrophoenician woman. And Gentiles are not supposed to come into the picture for another 20 or so years in Acts chapter 10. 
And a man named Cornelius is supposed to be the first Gentile to experience blessings and power from the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus could not ignore this lady's faith. She had more faith in Jesus than the Jews did. And so he, Jesus could not ignore her any longer, and, and, and so she beat Cornelius because of her faith. This Gentile here is getting a miracle, uh, deliverance. And when, that, when Jesus says, I'm, I'm not here for Gentiles, I'm here for Israel. And when, remember when he sent out his disciples, go not to the way of the Gentiles, but only go to Israel. And tell them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is end. It was all Israel was front and center right here. This is what he was here for, was for Israel. The Gentiles, it was not their time yet. But yeah, here comes a Gentile needing, needing a miracle. And uh, her faith, uh, he could not resist her faith because she had more faith than Jews. And so she got blessed. Imagine that, uh, a Gentile cutting the line and getting blessings that are reserved for Jews. That's what happened. She cut the line. Don't, don't tell me that, uh, that your faith uh, won't get you places. All you got to do is just keep on holding, keep on believing, keep on praying. All you need is a mustard seed of faith, and you can speak to that mountain and command it to get in the sea. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. We got to hold on to our faith because we can do anything if we have faith. We can get God's attention. We can cut the line if we have faith. We just got to hold on to our faith. And so Matthew chapter 15 finishes with Jesus feeding 4,000 people. He's still doing public ministry, but it's just not the same anymore. Not, not, no more beatitudes, no more uh, talking about repenting of the kingdom. He's just, he's there. He knows what, they, what really they want. And so he's just kind of giving it to them, feeding them. And he gives them their, their, their physical needs, feed them, and he sends them away. But he withholds spiritual teaching and growth because it will do no good because it will only cause more damnation and judgment because they're not going to hear it. They're not going to see it. They're not going to hear it. They've already proven their fruits that they're going to reject him. And so, so he has to finish out his role as prince. But in the meantime, he starts preparing his disciples. Come Matthew 16. Uh, verse 18, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, what is this, What is this, Jesus? You've never said anything like this before. Church, what, what exactly is that, Lord? We, we have synagogue, we have our temple, and now you're talking about building a church. We, have, we already got a temple built. We don't, need, we don't need a church, Lord. What are you talking about? Again, there's a shift. He's now, now he's starting to focus on the church, preparing his, preparing his disciples for the church. From our study and our vantage point, it would almost appear that the church is Jesus' backup plan. That the church is, is, is plan B. But however, that is not the case. Remember, Jesus said that he will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And that is the church. The church has been planned before the world was even created. And, and God knew that Israel would reject, reject him. And that is why he already had worked the church into his plan. And so the, plan, the church is not plan B. The church is still part of the plan because God knows the end from the beginning. He, he wasn't taken back when the Pharisees rejected him. He wasn't uh, taken back when his hometown rejected him. He knew that was going to happen. And so he had already planned out what was going to happen with the church and the rejection of the kingdom kingdom and, and, and usher in the age of the Gentiles. He already knew all this stuff. And so the church was not plan B. It's still part of plan A. It just appears like it is. But Paul explains how the church was the mystery, one of the things that was hidden secret when the church was not mentioned at all in the Old Testament. Remained a, a mystery, a hidden from them uh, because it wasn't time. Ephesians 3 and 3, how that by revelation... He made note unto me, that's God, uh, Paul's confession, he, confessing here that God himself, Jesus, revealed to Paul the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Remember when Saul was 
uh, converted on the road to Damascus. He was blinded. Uh, and then what happened? He, he, he disappeared. He ran into the, to, to Arabia for, the Bible says, three years he was gone. And then he appeared in Jerusalem for 15 days. So what happened that three years he was gone? Jesus was revealing to him everything. It's kind of interesting how the disciples were with him for about three years, and, and Paul kind of disappeared for three years while God taught him uh, everything. And so, you know, you could argue that uh, Paul replaced Judas. I think that would be a good argument, and even though they, they cast lots and officially filled his role. But, but Paul did a whole lot, uh, a lot of good for the kingdom, definitely an apostle for the Gentiles, uh, and so while, while Paul was away, and what happened, what happened is when he was gone for three years uh, in Arabia, in Damascus, he came, the Bible says he came to Jerusalem for 15 days, and what happened? He met with Peter, the, the leader of the church. And what happened is Paul was talking with Peter and saying, let me get this straight now. The, the church is this and this and this, and repent, be baptized, and get the Holy Ghost. And whatever Paul received in Revelation from out by himself, he came and he checked it with Paul, with Peter and saying, do I have the doctrine right? Because I, Jesus has been teaching me for the past three years, and I want to confirm with the church, with the, the apostles, that we're on the same page here. And we see Paul's message is not different than Peter's message. They have the exact same message because what Jesus revealed to Paul, to Peter and the apostles, he also revealed to, to, to Paul. And so when he came to, to confer, like, yep, everything lined up. Uh, and, and so uh, he says here, verse 5, which in other ages... Talking about the mystery of Christ in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. There was something that was not revealed to everyone else and that was the church. It was not talked about or even mentioned because what's all the Old Testament about? It's about the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Now, nowhere does it mention the church. But now we're into this new age. Uh, verse 6, that the Gentiles... This is the mystery that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That means uh, the mystery, the church, is now that the Gentiles can, can be fellow heirs with Jews. This is, that's, this is the mixing. This is what the church is. Whereof, verse 7, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the church has been, always been in God's eternal plan, eternal purpose, this, this, this church. So it's not plan B. We know they rejected Jesus, and now he shifts to, to start focusing on building the church. But it's always been in the eternal purpose of Jesus, uh, the, the church, and the, the blending that's going to happen always been in God's plan, but before he could start teaching and preparing the apostles for the church, he had to go to Israel because he had to, get, he had to be rejected first. Uh, he had to present the kingdom uh, and his kingship to Israel, and they would reject him, and, and uh, then he can begin focusing on the next age is the church. And after he told the apostles that he was going to build his, his church, he says something to them that he's never said before. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Never said this before. The shift. Cross. I can see Peter saying, Cross, Lord, cross. What are you talking about? We're talking about Jesus. We're, we're Jews. We don't deal with crosses. How, how did Jews execute people? They stoned them. Stoning. That's how Jews, that was their capital punishment. They stoned you. They didn't deal with crosses. That, crosses 
was a Roman invention. The Romans crucified people. Jews, they would stone people to death. That was the way they, they did their execution with stoning. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, this, this is not Jewish stuff here. This is not Jews' custom. We don't do this stuff, Lord. So why are you talking about taking up your cross? And here Jesus is uttering these things, dropping these clues that have remained a secret from the foundation of the world that he was going to be crucified. Goes on, Matthew 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain of transfiguration. He doesn't do this for the nation of Israel. He doesn't do this for the Pharisees. You know, he could shut the Pharisees right up if he just did what he did up there to the Pharisees. Boom, game over. Transfigure and the, gl and, and the glory of God would shine out of his, his body. Uh, but he didn't do that to them. Why? Because they, don't believe, they didn't believe a word Jesus says. He only did that to Peter, James, and John because they believed and, and uh, they would be uh, critical into establishing the, the coming age of the church. And so uh, he doesn't do that for anybody else. So he's doing this to prepare them for the church and what is to come. They've, they've got to be ready. and Their faith has, has to be ironclad to help lay the foundation of the church because we know that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being a chief cornerstone. And so uh, they, the, the apostles have to get this. And so he's, he's taken now this time, this to, to show them things he's never showed anybody else before. He's, he's blown their minds left and right, and their, their, their faith bank is just overflowing because all the things that Jesus is now doing and focusing on them because he has to because he's been rejected by Israel. Matthew 18, Jesus does more teaching about the kingdom. He's only kind of talking to the disciples there. Matthew 19, the Pharisees, the rich man show up, and they're, they're, not, they're not serious about the kingdom uh, and, and so he just kind of deals with them. And Matthew chapter 20 starts off with a parable about the kingdom. Uh, what does that mean? There's, there's a crowd there. Uh, and so for their sake, he speaks in parables. Uh, again, from Matthew 13 on, parables, parables. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. You're not listening, so I'll just talk in parables now. Uh, and, and Matthew uh, 20 starts off like that. Uh, and then Jesus leaves with his disciples. Matthew 20, 17, and Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart in the way, and he said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest, unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. I'm trying to make this plain for you guys. We're on our way there. This is what's going to happen. Still, they didn't get it. And they shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. No, he's not talking parables here. This is plain truth, plain revelation right here. This is the third time I'm telling you guys this. Third time he tells them he's got to be killed and third day he's going to raise. Third time I'm telling you guys this. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. The end is near. We're headed to Jerusalem, and there's not much time left for the prince. And when they get to Jerusalem in, in Matthew 21, what happens? It's Palm Sunday. Jesus sends two disciples to go get a colt, and he tells them to go get the colt. He doesn't tell them to get a steed, or he doesn't tell them to go get a white stallion. He doesn't tell them to go get a, 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 a horse that is fit for a king. He tells them to go get a colt. Matthew 21 and 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And so this is referring to uh, uh, Zechariah 9 and 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king Cometh unto thee, he is just and having salvation, he's lowly, riding upon an ass and upon a colt and the foal of an ass. And so he's fulfilling prophecy right here. And again, Palm Sunday is happening, he's coming in on a, on a colt, and they're, they're saying these things. But what is prophecy saying? 
prophecy said your king is coming your king is coming on a colt and that's how Jesus comes in Jerusalem and and because of that it's even more condemnation for them condemning them because the king is coming the king comes into Jerusalem like it like a king should and, and you you welcome him but still you don't make him your king instead you kill him musicians if you would come and, and so Jesus Jesus rides into Jerusalem like a king would, and there's a, there's a multitude that greets him and, and praises him as their king, as they should, because their king is coming. The prophecy says that is their king. Jesus is their king. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And this is exactly what have happened, should have happened. Blessed is he that comes in the name of This is our king. We welcome our king in. Uh, praise be to him and blessings be to him. But Matthew 21 and 10, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Your king's coming in and the city of Jerusalem says, who is this? That's not a good, that's not a good thing to say. Only a small crowd was welcoming their king. But most of the city of Jerusalem had no idea. Who is this? Because they hadn't repented. As John and Jesus and the disciples said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hadn't done that. Hadn't changed their mind, changed their thoughts about him. And so then Jesus goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple, throwing tables around, kicking the money changers out, says, uh, my father's house is a house of prayer, and you're doing, you're defiling the temple and doing all these things. He he starts causing a, a scene in the a temple, cleaning out, and then there in the temple, the meeting happens. All the religious leaders are there. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the chief priests are there, and Jesus is there. Israel's leaders. The ones who can just say the word and Jesus will be made king. They can make him their king and usher in the kingdom of heaven right there, right then. Because they're all meeting right there in the temple. It can all be done right there. And the crucifixion doesn't even have to happen. All you got to do is say the word, guys. But we know that that doesn't happen and thank God it doesn't because... Had the crucifixion not happened, then where would we be? Israel would have the kingdom of heaven, and Israel would, would, be, would be living in, in, in blessings, but the Gentiles, we'd be lost. So thank God that they rejected him. Stand with me tonight. Matthew's chapter, Matthew chapter 21, 22, Jesus is talking in parables again. Because why? They're blind and they're deaf. They're not listening. They don't care what he says. They don't want to hear what he has to say. Matthew chapter 23. Jesus. Jesus lets them have it here. Matthew chapter 23. Comes to the pinnacle. They're there. They're meeting in a temple. The place where it all, the big meeting happens. Matthew 23 is all red. If you have the red letter edition, it's all red. Lots of not good things that are said there by Jesus. He re Basically, Jesus rebukes everybody. Matthew chapter 23, he rebukes everybody. Eight times in that chapter does Jesus scream, Woe unto you! Woe unto you and to you! Woe unto you and woe unto you! Woe unto you! Woe unto you! Woe unto you! The whole chapter's about that. Why? It's coming down on them. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe unto you, people. Woe unto you. The entire nation is getting rebuked right there in the temple. Because we are literally at that point where Jesus can be made king or he will be rejected. And we already know which way it goes, and Jesus knows which way it goes. That's why he's rebuking everybody. The prince is going to be 
killed and cut off and received nothing. And so Matthew chapter 23 ends with Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. Verse 37, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent to you, how often would I have gathered you as children, thy children together, and as a hen gathereth her chickens under her, her wing, but she would not come. You would not repent and turn your ways. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Judgment is coming to you, Jerusalem, for what you have done here. Your house, your temple, that I am the God of and am not welcome in. That I am not welcome in my own temple, not welcome among my own people, and not welcome in my own city. Woe unto you. You will be desolate. Verse 39, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, blessed is he that cometh. In the name of the Lord. And Jesus walks out. That meeting there in the temple with everybody. The religious leaders representing nation, the nation of Israel. Jesus walks out and he says, I'm not coming back. You will not see me again until I am welcome in this place. Until you say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I'm not coming back. You're not going to see me until then. And that means that Jesus is not coming back to Israel, to Jerusalem. He's not going to show his face there until Jerusalem recognizes him as their king. And they cry out for him to come. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's a confession that they understand who Jesus is. And he's not, he says, I'm not coming back here until you confess that you understand who I am, what you've done here today, what you've done to me, and you repent of your sins because I'm not coming back until I'm welcomed as your king. And then when that happens, we know the kingdom of heaven comes. And Jesus storms out of the temple, Matthew 23. Verse 20, chapter 24, Jesus went out and departed, departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. They're saying, Lord, look at this. Look at the temple. Look, how, look at this nice re construction happening. They're adding some things going on. They're repolishing re all the gold. And look at, look at all these great things about the temple. What does Jesus say? He said unto them, see ye not all these things, all the things that you like, that you're, you're drooling over, the Jews in their temple. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He says, this, this building of yours, this temple of yours that I'm not welcome in, that's going to be torn down to the ground. Not one single brick will be standing upon another. And what, ha what is he referring to? The year A.D. 70. The Romans came in and they dis dismantled everything. And it hasn't been back up since. A.D. 70, that's when it happened. The temple was burned to the ground. One brick, every brick was removed. Why? Because the, the walls of the temple were overlaid in gold. And when they set fire to it, guess what? The gold melts. Uh, and so they, the Romans, they took, up, took apart every brick to scrape off all the gold out of that temple. Every brick, not one brick was left upon another because the Romans dismantled it brick by brick to get all the gold out. A.D. 70. Verse 3, and, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came on him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And this, we'll, we'll start getting into this next week. Matthew chapter 24 talks about the end of age, the end of the time. But the disciples saw him saying, saw, saw Jesus say, I'm not coming back here to you, to you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. 
And so here in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples want to know when Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem. That's why they say, tell us when you're coming back. Now you got to understand that Jesus coming back to Jerusalem is different than Jesus coming back for his church. A lot of people take Matthew chapter 24 and they, th they, they try to put the rapture in there. It's not talking about the rapture. It's not talking about the church. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24, because the disciples asked, when are you coming back to Jerusalem? Uh, and so that's what that chapter about. It's not talking about the church. Because what happens to the church is raptured out of there and goes to the heaven, right? Which is completely different in the kingdom. The rapture, God is not taking Israel to heaven and, and coming back. No, it's, it's something, the church is completely different. The church is, the return for the church is different than the return coming back into Jerusalem. We are coming back with Jesus when he comes to Jerusalem. But there are two different things that are going on there. And a lot of people get confused in Matthew 24 saying, oh, this is, this is all about the church and the rapture. No, he isn't even talking about the church yet. It's all about when he comes back to Jerusalem because they want to know, when are you coming back into Jerusalem? As you said, because you're not coming back. But I'm thankful that even though that Israel rejected Jesus, I'm thankful that he turned over to some other people that will look upon him as King of kings and of Lord of lords. That, that he, he extended his hand of grace and mercy to the Gentiles, to you and I. Because had Israel not rejected him, you and I would not be here today. And we would not be worshiping him and lifting him up as King of kings and Lord of lords. And so we're blessed because Israel failed. Because if Israel stumbled and fell upon the rock, we now have a chance at salvation. They crucified him, which is horrible. But we would not be here without that crucifixion. And so we, we're on a different program than Israel is. And I'm thankful that we know who Jesus is. That we, don't, that we already know who he is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we close out tonight, why don't we just close our eyes and begin to worship him. Why don't we begin to thank him for his grace, his mercy. Thank him for his word that he's, that he's given to us. That we can know the truth and understand the truth and we understand who he is and our part that we are blessed that we don't deserve to be here tonight and we're going to magnify him we're going to exalt him as he, who he is the king Thank of kings you, and the lords hallelujah lord we worship you tonight as our king the true king could not see you as king, but we see you, Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Hosanna.
Oh, let's give him some praise. He is worthy of it. He is worthy, Jesus. You are our King, our Lord, and our Savior. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. We lift you up, God, in this place. Hallelujah in our lives, God. Let us lift you up in all that we do, God, because you are the King over our lives. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. When you figure out and, and understand this whole kingdom principle and, and you follow the kingdom through the Bible, you can really get to understand and see things more clearly how the kingdom ap applies to Israel and, and how the, the Jews are, and, and Gentiles all come together through the church. And it's, it's really amazing to see. And God knew all this before the world was even formed. Before he even spoke the worlds into existence, he already saw this play out. And he, he had a plan. And I'm thankful to be a part of his plan and to be a part of the church of the living God, right? And we're going to lift up Jesus and all that we do because he is the king. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.